ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? To reaching that famous happy end. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Hesitant is the transfer portal. Clemson coach Davo Sweeney dipped instead into the couch portal last week, hoping to strike gold in the kicking game, only to find a handful of crumbs and loose change. Tiger King Joe Exotic was able to apply more pressure on Jordan Travis from behind bars than the Clemson defense in the two-minute drill to close the second half. Clemson is 2-2, two and 0-2 two, oh and two in the ACC for the first time since Jarrett was born. And... We're live to lose another day. Welcome back, folks. This is the Clemson Podcast. Ben and Jarrett here with you tonight. Um, Jarrett, tough one on Saturday. Started off looking good, but then in the end, a pretty dramatic heartbreak for Clemson fans. But, you know, we could come on here and uh, sound really negative, and I think we probably definitely are going to do a little bit of that. But overall, a lot of positives to take from this team, and I think that's what uh, what made it a little bit more heartbreaking was all the good we saw out there on Saturday. Yes. <clears throat> I think a lot of us have already accepted that we have to recalibrate some of our initial expectations and the coach speak that we all bought into, or at least I did, uh, at the beginning of the season. And when you look at it from that point of view, like you do feel like this team is making strides in certain areas and they're growing up in certain areas and also still making like boneheaded decisions uh, in other areas, uh, namely, you know, around coaching and uh, other things that we'll get into. But we're alive we survived. It was a roller coaster, but uh, what a what a time to be alive! Yeah, um, last few years for Clemson football, uh, not what we've been used to. Um, let's say the previous half a decade from two thousand, you know, fifteen to two thousand twenty. Um, so this is quite a shock for us. I think it's at least it still feels that way. It feels like we shouldn't have lost uh, FSU. Um, we definitely shouldn't have lost to Dukes, but here we are sitting here at two and two, and we've experienced this a couple times in the past few years. So I think the other thing for us Clemson fans that makes us tougher is we're slowly having to get used to kind of not being on top of the mountain and seeing ourselves in the top five. Hell, we haven't been in the top 25 poll for the last two weeks. It's true. <clears throat> and it's definitely not something that we, that we thought we would be in this, like for a long time, the idea of being unranked was like laughable. It's like, there's, there's no way we're not going to be ranked. I mean, we're just, we're too good. We've stuck around. We get, we get credit. Being out of the top 10 was kind of laughable, right? And then somehow we skipped over 10 to 25 and. They literally yeeted us out of the top 25, like uncle Rico throwing a steak at Napoleon's face. So, well, so here we are. I mean, it, it kind of seems like the rankings don't matter at this point. You know, we haven't talked a lot about them this, this year. I think after the Duke game that really um, adjusted expectations for us for the rest of the year. But, you know, on previous shows, I think we really pointed to this Florida State game 
as being the one when we would know what we need to know about this team. And despite the loss, despite the heartbreak, despite, uh, despite the bad coaching and everything that went wrong, I think ultimately what we know about this team is that it's a really good football team and we have really good football players on this team and they played toe to toe with Florida state. Yes, they were at home. Um, yes, you didn't have the night atmosphere that probably would have favored Florida state, uh, them having experienced that earlier in the season and Clemson being a younger team. Um, but you still have to be proud of what you saw out there. Um, I went into the game and what makes it a little bit easier for me is I went into the game expecting a Clemson loss for the first time. I told you guys, I think since the 2015 national championship game. Um, and so it was a little bit more palatable coming out with that loss. I was encouraged by the style of, uh, or by the play, the level of play that we saw out there on both sides of the ball and a lot of the emerging talent, the development of Cade, but just the way it happened, it brings me back, you know, down a notch to where it, it really hurt seeing that because Clemson had a huge opportunity um, to set their season straight with this one. And, and they had it in their grasp and just let it slip out of their fingers. That's definitely really hard to uh, deal with and something like we're, we're not, I guess we're more used to it now. And I think we've kind of grown accustomed to uh, things like this, despite the lack of desire to want to, you know, I kind of think of it like this. It's kind of like moving into a new house while you're also completely gutting and rebuilding everything. It's like, it's going to be a mess. And you're going to say, oh, this room looks better. But like now there's no floor in this other room. And so that's kind of how I feel of going from like the DJ Streeter era to now we have Cade and Garrett Riley. And we thought we'd open the door and it'd be this perfectly shiny house with an elevator in it and, you know, a giant, nice stainless steel kitchen. And it's not, it, it will be, it, it can very much has the potential to be, but it's, uh, it's just, that's to me is the frustrating part where it's like, we have all the pieces, all the blue chips, but we're still just trying to like get that old stuff out of the way and like, you know, get these younger people, the confidence that we thought they would have maybe overconfidently so we we can get into talking later uh jared about the players themselves and all the positives we saw out there but i want to bring it back to coaching in my opinion um it was the coaching that lost this game it was the coaching that lost the duke game um just not having the team prepared going in and then we still continue to deal with these uh with these turnover issues on offense um you've got the defensive debacle at the end of the second half You've got, um, you know, maybe the decision to kick for it towards the end of regulation. Um, the, the play calling in the overtime, um, just a lot of different things. And then on top of that, you know, wide receivers still unable to block. Um, and some, you know, continued lack of development there. And that's where I see being the biggest weakness of this team right now is on that coaching staff. And um, I wonder how much, Dabo is feeling it. I think one thing that that showed kind of his lack of um, confidence in this this young coaching staff is that in the offseason, I think he just extended like everybody only by like one year and only two coaches, um, Mike Reed and Nick Eason, got raises. So I think <clears throat> that says a lot. And it's not something we've talked about a lot, but you look at this young coaching staff, you continue to see errors and turnovers 
and, you know, dumb plays. And it all, for me, it all goes back to the coaching. Coaching is something that uh, I guess I've never been a, you know, a, a team athlete in high school or college. It's really, it takes a little time to appreciate like the effect of it, but it's this big downstream effect of, you can almost just like think like, you know, if there's a situation that you're going to be put in, it's the coach's job preseason and over the summer and in the fall camp to be able to coach them, even themselves. I mean, Dabo burned like two timeouts when he had no business burning those timeouts. Could have saved yeah. him for a deep shot. A- absolutely. So it's it's, it's not little just, stuff like that. It's not it's just position group stuff too. Yeah. It, it's a position group stuff. And it's like little shit like that. All the way up like, to the head coach. Yeah. Yeah. Or understanding that, Hey, I've got this kid quarterback who's very talented, but he, you know, let's not give him an option to throw a bubble screen. Let's just say, hey, just run it up the middle. And it's like these, you know, O-linemen and, and Shipley are going to run like their life truly depends on it. And we can trust them. And we don't want to, like, put it in the hands of a kid who's doing his, like, fifth start versus Travis's, like, 35th start. Yeah, and apparently, you know, Dabo was in the headset of the defensive coaches more in this game um, than he was the offense. Um. But yeah, again, it, it, I'm not trying to throw all the position coaches and the coordinators under the bus. Like it, it goes up to Dabo too. And listen, nobody's ever accused Dabo of being like a brilliant X's and O's guy, right? That's actually mm-hmm. something that um, our enemies are those in the, the in middle of the state that are jealous um, mm-hmm. would always point out about Dabo, but that's perfectly fine. Like the, a good leader doesn't have to be the most technically skilled person, right? You surround yourself by those folks, the right combination of people, the right combination of, of attitude and buy-in um, and work ethic. And that's how you can, you know, create and, and build a great team. Um, and in this case, you know, talking specifically about the coaching staff. So he certainly has that ability. Um, we've seen him do it before. And he started to write the ship last year by bringing on Garrett Riley, but it just begs the question. Again, you ask yourself, looking back, how did we end up in this position? Because we actually had an uptick um, in recruiting after the, what, 2018 uh, mm-hmm. na- national championship game. Um, and so the talent was coming in, but all of a sudden, you know, we talk about did Dabo get complacent and hiring his mm-hmm. friends and all the nepotism and stuff like that. And I find it hard to believe that it's just that. And I wonder what else is it money because of how much you're playing Venables um, and, and Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott. Um, yeah. I'm just curious as how, to how we got here. And I think it's all just speculation uh, for guessing why, but it's, it's interesting to talk about. It's speculation. And, you know, it's, there's a quote that, Tully uses and the Steve Jobs said it's like you don't hire smart people to tell them what to do and I think we've done the opposite of that it's like we've hired people that Dabo can tell what to do and mold in his own image and look I want to believe and what's probably hilariously going to happen is that like in three or four years he's going to talk to the media and be like what are you talking about Tyler Grisham's got seven seasons of college collegiate wide receiver coaching under what do you mean he's a new no nobody or whatever and we're going to have to be like I mean he's kind of right you know, um, I think that, you know, one theory that I, that I have in my head is that like, if you look at through the lens that like Dabo wants to win Natties and be the best college football coach of all time. Yeah. He's doing a shitty job. Like he could do way better and he has way more resources and he could do all that stuff. But if you look at through the lens of like, he wants to build something 
very admirable that truly nobody would even dare do that like develops men, uh, you know, athletes into men and that are focused on, you know, graduating, that are focused on academics, that are focused on getting in jobs, that are focused on, you know, being great people and eventually being a student, you know, a very talented athlete. Um, then it kind of is like, oh, he's actually like really kicking ass at like what that would look like. Like it, what what we see is what that would look like at a very high level. It's like, okay, you're winning, you're pretty consistently winning and like, you know, it's not the worst and all this kinds of stuff. So I wonder if that's kind of part of it. I use Dabo Land a lot, but it's just like, not even ironically, like I think that might just be his real purpose in his mind. And listen, I I love the way that Dabo has built the program and what its foundation is and what it's built on. I've always said like, mm -hmm. um, and I noticed this after being at the 2015 national championship game where we lost to Bama. Like I left that stadium. I was like, I, I never want to be like a Bama a fan. I don't want to be as yeah. content and nonchalant about a win like that. Mm -hmm. um, or just pissed off every year. If you don't go to a national championship game. And yes, we fell into that trap because Dabo got mm -hmm. us used to that. But um, you know, I hesitant to, to ever going to that, like Nick Saban, Alabama territory from a coach or a program. So in that sense, I do love what Dabo has done here. And I believe in that moving forward, but he's all, also heavily emphasized the winning aspect of it or best mm -hmm. standard mm -hmm. things like that. So, um, you know, as far as the coaching staff is concerned, I'm surprised that maybe a few of the guys got a little bit longer leash leading into this season. I think we'll see more than likely some change in the off season. Um, but I can also point to some position groups where I have seen improvement. Mm -hmm. um, the offensive line has played well this year. We have built more depth um, uh, pretty much across. Yeah, there's still maybe some weak areas and some guys that need to develop further, but they got better as the season went along last year. They started off this season better. They're getting as we go along um, this year. Already seen a huge development in Cade from game one to game four. Garrett Riley mm -hmm. being his quarterback coach. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, Mike Reed and the, and the, the cornerbacks. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we keep every year. Seems like we always end up having that one lockdown corner. And for a while there, it was just known guys kind of coming in. And now the last couple of years, um, you know, we've developed some other guys that we can really – uh, rely and depend on. I'm thinking obviously of, of Wiggins this season. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested to see how the young defensive linemen will develop and how much you know playing time they've already gotten and how good they look. Now a lot of that could be attributed to them just being prepared when they came in, but they also got some coaching right between spring ball and and fall practice. So I'm not saying across the board by any means um, that it's an entire coaching staff issue, but I think there's the obvious things that we can point out and maybe we're just beating a dead horse here. I need to wait to the end of the season. But again, it, it just puts a sour taste in your mouth as a Clemson fan. When you see that team on the field and dominating, it felt like for most of the game against a number, what five ranked, um, Florida state team, number four ranked Florida state team. And to lose it in that fashion, it's, it just feels like you let the kids down as a coaching staff. And I think Dabo's reaction and his comments afterwards saying certain things about the team, it always sounds like, yeah, Coach speak, he's pumping them up. I think what he's saying publicly is he's taking a lot of credit for that as the head coach and putting it on the coaching staff and not the players. What, um, what can you say, man? It's like you, we 
we try not to beat the same dead horses, but um, and I think that's why I'm kind of shifting my approach a little this season from expecting the top top and then like attacking all of the holes that I see. And I think to keep my own personal sanity, like I am trying to just look for development and growth, like you said, where it's like, Hey, I'm not saying this season's a wash or that we're just prepping for next year, but it's like, I'm just going to really appreciate those small wins. Like seeing Tyler Brown kind of come out of camp with a lot of heat behind his name and then to turn it on. Um, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and, um, other people too that are that are starting to stand out. I mean, the the running back room's got like five people in it that are gonna be great, and then the kid that's coming next year is gonna be awesome. Um, well, it's interesting you say that because uh, I had the thought too, um, watching um, Tyler Brown this year and getting so excited uh, about him. I think about mm-hmm. last year to Antonio Williams, and I know he's been injured a little bit, but he hasn't looked quite the same as he was last year. And we've had these guys come into the program and not necessarily seem to develop under Tyler Grisham. So I'm concerned about that with Brown. I'm excited about what he's showing us now. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see if that, that holds up moving forward. Yeah, we just have to, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's like, I, the only option now is to just hope that, and I do feel like compared to when we saw people like a Joe, a Joe in Grisham's first year, I think literally just like stand there with his hands in his pockets um, you know, and like other, other receivers not really block at all. Like I feel like that I see more wide receiver blocking. It's just not like we used to see with Higgins and Ross and Cornell Powell and like, you know, some of these other guys back in the day. Um, so I, I, I wonder to appreciate that. That's a good point, Jerry. You know, I wonder if it is, uh, is because are we recruiting that position different? Like those guys you talked about specifically, I mean, you know, Mike Williams, for instance, just how big and strong of a guy he was to be able to go and do that and engage blockers. And now we seem to have them, um, the lighter, the slimmer, um, Mm -hmm. supposedly more fleet of foot, um, faster straight line speed guys. Um, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's the way the game is being, is changing or being recruited to that position. Um, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. really lend itself too much to blocking because you're right. I mean, it's been abysmal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I uh, I know that you ha- you want to recruit different sizes and shapes for different positions and different schemes and like the way you utilize people. I think for a couple of years we were stuck with only those like six, you know, whatever, six, three guys that were just the 50-50 ball. And it's like if everyone across the field is the same body type and like, you know, plus we had a quarterback that like would get in his head, you know, if, if his, uh, well, I'm not going to go there. I'll leave him alone. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, is it, are we going to eat crow? Like, what do you think? Do you think, you know, it's, it's 2026, the coaching staff's pretty much the same. Maybe Riley's moved on and Jeff Scott's back or I'm not saying whatever. Let's just say even two years from now, Riley's still around. Goodwin's around. All the coaches are still there. Do we feel like their growth specifically under Dabo over the next couple of years will mean that like, we'll be better at developing and like all this stuff, um, better coaching, better decision makings. What do you think? Yeah, but it's a hard position it, it, to be put in to get that growth at Clemson. And I think that's the thing that, that a lot of fans have been upset about is mm-hmm. great. If those guys have come up in the ranks in positions like that, um, mm-hmm. a position 
uh, coach positions at, you know, smaller schools or, you know, non group of five, I guess, um, mm -hmm. schools, even FCS. Um, but that hasn't been the case here. Um, mm -hmm. they are, there's a lot of homegrown talent, so to speak, in the coaching pool. So I don't know. I think we'll see it play out at the end of the season. And I don't want to, again, um, get too much into the doom and gloom of this. Uh, that's just the thing that I took away from this game and from the Duke game is just, you know, how poorly coached of a team mm -hmm. this seems to be uh, to a point where I haven't really seen it uh, be this bad in the, in the Dabo era. Um, so now looking at the state of the team now, though, I want to go back to the encouraging things. Um, for as bad as that Florida State loss was, and as much as it stung and as much as it sucks to sit here at two and two, 0-2 tied with like Boston College for the last place in the ACC. Um, that team that I saw on the field on Saturday can win out the rest of their schedule. I think that the team can win out the rest of their schedule, but I question, can they be put in the best position to win out the rest of the schedule? And I think we could easily end the season, I wouldn't say easily, I think it's probably possible that we could end 10 and two. I think it's also that we could end seven and five. So there could be three more losses on this schedule. It just, it truly depends on, do we continue to de uh, develop, to grow? Um, do we get out of our own way and do we stop wasting timeouts or I just, it's so frustrating getting, uh, you know, into the post game speech and it's uh, somebody looked it up. It's like the fifth time in the last eight, Power five losses. Dabo has had the same, like, what a weird loss. Or is the, the one of the hardest losses I've ever been a part of and stuff like that. So, like, you know, that tells me that we're not really taking it, it feels like we're not really taking it serious and we're not like making, you know, the decisions that we need to or taking ownership like we need to. What are, what are your thoughts? Am I, am I off, the, off the rails here? No, it's like, sounds like Chris Collinsworth from, uh, what does he do, Sunday Night Football, where every play he's, he, that, that happens in the game is the most amazing thing he's ever seen. Um, <laughs> is what that reminded me of, you talking about Davo. And yeah, and then he also pulls out the old um, trope, you know, uh, we're three plays away from being undefeated. And it's like, well, okay, you're also uh, three plays away in the Florida State game from having a few more turnovers and getting your ass beat. Yeah. So, you know, it, okay, it's easy to cherry pick um, kind of those numbers. And, and but, but can you believe it? Like Just for, suspend, suspend belief for a second for the listeners, okay? We don't have the fumble six go up by two scores. Game's kind of in our hands in fourth quarter. We punch it in two times versus Duke instead of fumbling on the goal line. The game ends, you know, 21-14. It's like that meme. It's like he's out of line, but he's right. It, he's, he's maybe right. Yeah, well, coach better, and then you'll <laughs> be even more right, and we would be undefeated. So <laughs> now, ben, Well, and, and I, can, I can accept that from the Florida <laughs> State kidding. game because we were leading them, and we were winning that game all the way up, you know, until overtime. Mm -hmm. And Florida State never led up into that point. The Duke game, I, I have a hard time uh, claiming that we could have won or blah, blah, blah mm -hmm. that game just because, you know, it was 28 to 7. There were so many things that went wrong. It wasn't like one bounce here yeah. or there. It was, both sides of the ball. it was things on both sides yeah. of the ball. And I think really not giving Duke enough credit. Yes. Now, how talented this team is, I think we definitely should have beat them. Um, yeah. But, you know, looking at everything that went wrong, that was a 
that you know that wasn't a fluky lucky win for for them they're a really good football mm-hmm. t- or they're a good football team like i say really good but if you put in perspective and you know relative to duke's history of football greatness they're a really good football team yeah it's i mean and then the biggest thing that stood out after the game was like 56 or whatever blue chips versus like three so it's like come on i mean it shouldn't have I don't care how good they are. You should be able to have the talent and depth to at least get in the fourth quarter and like make a stand. But it was just, it was hilariously bad. Okay. Well, I, I have a more optimistic view of the rest of the season, Jared. I don't see five losses on the schedule because I'm taking into account that I, I have seen this team progress um, in many areas of the game. Um, um, technically even kicking field goals um, <laughs> throughout these first four games um, yeah. of the year. And I think that we're going to continue to improve um, as the year goes on. And I, I think if we saw five losses, that that would be an absolute debacle. People would be transferring yeah. right and left and something went terribly wrong. So I don't mm-hmm. have, uh, yeah, I have a bit more optimism looking ahead, but um, let's, let's take a deeper dive uh, here in Jared and kind of get into the offensive defensive uh, performance sure. of this game, starting with the offense. Um, okay, naturally, Jarrett, let's start with Cade. I mentioned we've seen a lot of progression from him um, over the first four games of the year, um, but still a lot of, you know, we'll call them freshmen, and technically they're sophomore mistakes, but rookie mistakes, uh, so mm-hmm. to speak, in this game, but also a lot of elevated play that really, you know, put us right in it, obviously leading um, the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, what's your takeaway? What is, how encouraged are you from, from what you've seen this year? Um, despite, you know, some of the more discouraging moments in this game itself. So, I mean, Cade, you could tell, you can just tell he's a young guy. I mean, he started kind of shaky. <clears throat> um, he had some, I think he had a run where he was maybe like nine for nine or something after going like, I don't know, one for four. Some, four something seven, like that. Something like four, that. Yeah. Yeah. And so four for nine, he, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, he ended the day like 25-38 for one touchdown, you know, 283 yards. So would say it wasn't like great, wasn't terrible. But, I mean, they were the number four team in the country. Not that their passing defense was um, allegedly super great. But my takeaway is that this kid does get better each game. He does still put some balls a little in jeopardy. And um, I think we just have to – assume that what took Deshaun six games, what took Trevor three games, you know, it's going to take Cade maybe like a whole season to like really hit that stride of like making decisions, like being confident and like putting the ball placement exactly where it needs to be. So like, I believe in him in a way that I hate to say this, but that I didn't really believe in DJ. Yeah. As I mean, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. And I think the offensive scheme, you know, lends itself a lot more um, decayed style of play. Um, now, when I see him take off on a quarterback run, I really wish that it was DJ running because <laughs> I feel like he's going to be snapped in half and, you know, DJ would always fall forward for like five yards. Cade falls backwards for five yards. Um, yeah. But no, I think that's a really good point. You go back to think about Deshaun in in his first season starting, and I'm trying to can't re- vividly remember it off the top of my head. Um, mm-hmm. But those first few games into the year, I think what we have to remember too is that, um, you know, how Deshaun had a much better team around him as mm-hmm. well. 
um, on the offensive side of the ball to help lift him up. And, you know, even the defense too, I think we can you know, fairly state that um, it was better back then. So um, Cade, maybe with less to work with, I think definitely a more raw talent than both Deshaun and Trevor. Um, mm -hmm. The five-star capability is there. Um, mm -hmm. The athleticism, the talent in that regard. But yeah, I think the mental part of the game, um, you start to see it slow down a little bit for him. He doesn't have, um, you know, the same kind of antsy feet in the pocket that we saw in the Duke game. He's been sitting in the pocket a little bit better, um, been making some better throws. We haven't seen anything nearly like that mm -hmm. one CSU interception. <laughs> and yeah. number two. Um, so that's an improvement. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. We, we can't expect that same of progression from him, but I still think, by the end of the season, if he keeps on this trajectory, we're going to have a really, really good quarterback on our hands and yeah, put up 60 against South Carolina and Williams Bryce. For the love of everything, please do that. Um, yeah, it, we, I'm looking at the stats. We had seven receivers with over 10 yards, right? And we had, you know, basically six of those seven have 30 or more yards of receiving. So we're distributing the ball. And all of them over, I mean, this is a good thing to point out, and, you know, aside from Bo and, and Randall, everybody averaging over 10 yards a pass. So we're getting longer passes too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know Brennan still had that awesome, like, long play, and Tyler Brown, you know, almost dove himself into the afterlife uh, with that with that one long catch. But luckily, he's good. Um, so, yeah, I would say offense – I wish I had a stronger eye for like the O-line, but it's not my specialty. Uh, pretty much nothing is, let's be honest, but other than hot takes. So, um, yeah, I felt like we were able to give him time against, especially like Jared Verse and stuff, which Verse was just really disruptive. Um, but like I thought it was going to be either like an absolute shit show he's going to be running for his life or – or that we would barely hang on. And we did, we did better at O-line than I expected. Yeah, I did too. I felt like he had, you know, he had time uh, to throw the ball. He spread the ball around. I thought, you know, I don't want to put it all on him for saying they're just, they were all long passes. There was also a lot of yards mm -hmm. after the catch in this game, which Clemson has not been good at the past few years, which is encouraging mm -hmm. to me to see, you know, these wide receivers um, fight for yardage like that. And this is without Antonio Williams. So, I mean, we talked mm -hmm. about the guys who were missing this game. Florida State was missing some guys too. But on the offensive side of the ball, to be missing Williams and Walker Parks and still be able to perform this way, you know, that was, mm -hmm. th that was encouraging from the offense. And I feel like, you know, except for the, um, you know, obviously the, the fumble six. Mm hmm um, and the debacle there in the last two plays at the end of overtime that this offense played very well throughout this game. Yes, Florida State's defense is not necessarily world beaters. They have a suspect secondary, but mm -hmm. I thought the way that Garrett Riley schemed for them, always being like one step ahead, it seemed like, being able to pick them apart, and then, you know, Cade being able to find his open receivers and make good throws and put mm -hmm. them in a position to succeed. I think all of that was was hugely encouraging. And again, you get the one miss block by Moffa leading to the fumble mm -hmm. and the touchdown. And the the I guess read option there mm -hmm. on third down in overtime. Um 
you know, other than that, there was a few opportunities where I think Florida State could have had some other turnovers, so I don't want to overlook those. Um, mm -hmm. But I think overall, a much tighter performance, a much grittier performance by this offense, and something definitely for us to, to you know, look forward to as the season goes along. Yeah, what's great is that if you if you view this, and I, I remember asking some of the some of y'all in the chat, right, where it's like if we view this from the standpoint of like take away the natty expectations in the past natties that we've won and just be like, this is a Clemson team that like you saw coming unranked and number four, Florida state was coming to your house and like took them all the way to overtime. You'd be like, Holy shit. Like we're really putting it together this season. And we're really like making some stuff happen. Granted, that's not where we are. And that's not like the recent history and stuff, but I think it, I think it can be lost, especially on us that we almost know too much for our own good. Right. It's like we're not X's and O's experts, but we're just like we're in between that and a casual fan. And I think that makes it even more frustrating to just see like the mistakes. I want to say that I predicted this game would either go one of three ways. Either Florida State plays really well and we play sloppy and they beat us by two or more touchdowns. Or um, we play really well and Florida State plays sloppy and we win by like maybe one touchdown or 10 points. Or if it's basically even, which it pretty much was, you know, we had the fumble six, but, you know, otherwise, like, pretty pretty even, then Florida State wins by, like, one touchdown. I got the receipts. So, basically, you know, I knew that we could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them, but we had to play pretty much like a perfect game. And it's just, like, one or two critical mistakes. You know, the read option, deciding to throw the bubble screen, and then, you know, Bo, if everybody doesn't know who to block, and – uh yeah it's like that that's really all it takes and i think that we don't want to accept that our margin of error has just gotten so thin that it's really like it really is co as coaches would say one or two plays and so that's all it takes and it used to be we could weather one or two plays for you know five or six times a game yeah exactly because we were that had that much superior talent than most of our opponents Mm -hmm. um, that's just not the case right now. I mean, you talk about uh, the screen there on um, third down and overtime. You know, that was what Bo and Tyler Brown out there, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, imagine if that's Antonio Williams. Like, mm -hmm. apparently Bo was, like, saying something, maybe trying to get Tyler Brown into place or something like that. Let's, you know, this kid is four games into his college career. Um, so, again, not to necessarily be on on coaching you did have a true freshman out there that may have led to some of that confusion. I would have probably gone with a different play call. I don't get paid to coach football, and there's a reason for that. So, Not yet. <laughs> um, I was still trusting Garrett afraid, Riley. But, you. Um, you know, you still – you've got Moffin and Shipley in the backfield there. You've got two downs to get the first down. Um, I, yeah. And, and then relying on our wide receivers to block is, is the one thing that we know they can't do, right? Or they're not yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> again, it was a Cade call, but I think at the end of the day, you know, whatever your quarterback's decision making is, that goes back, falls on the mm -hmm. shoulders of the offensive coordinator. So I would like to see, um, you know, something else there. Now I want to go back to what I was saying about having Moff and Shipley in the backfield. Um, prove me wrong. I think, Phil Moffa is the best running back on this team right now. Uh, I cannot prove you wrong because that's true. Um, pass blocking aside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, making making one 
key mistake. Well, that it was going to be like, really true if it wasn't for that. Yeah. But even you know, ship's not like phenomenal at it. Um, um yeah, I mean, it's like both of them have both of the starting running backs have either like made mistakes or like against Duke. I, I can't remember which O lineman basically got like completely just completely whiffed, or maybe it was Sage Ennis just got completely whiffed and somebody's head touched the ball and it just like randomly, you know, bounced out. I don't know that I'd say randomly, but um, yeah. Uh, and I can tell Ship's not happy because he's got, had like one or two touchdowns all year. And it was great to see him run that angle route or Texas route or whatever it is. I used to know it on Madden where it's like he basically comes out and kind of almost like runs, you know, 45 degrees and then like cuts another 45 degrees like back in. Um, and you know, got it again, right over the middle, Brennan's still over the middle, like other receivers over the middle. Like it's, it's really refreshing. I almost, is it, here's a hot take. It's the way the offense looks right now is in our best interest to keep Riley for at least one to two more years. Cause if we came out and we were just slaying and slicing through people like a hot knife through butter, he'd probably be more prone to go to another school faster. Would you think? Um, or I'd rather just be four and oh and go win a championship than he can go wherever he wants. So that's the other side of it, you know. Yeah, inclu- including running the uh, program when Dabo runs rides off into the sunset on his third netting. Sure, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, going back to the Phil versus uh Shipley debate, and I think that's one of the things that puts Phil ahead for me. Two things actually. Um, I think his vision has got a lot better. Um, I see. Shipley too often running with what looks like his head staring at his feet um, Mm -hmm. and right up into the backs of offensive linemen or whomever is trying to block for him. Um, Mm -hmm. Whereas I feel like Moffa keeps his head up better um, and gets more upfield quicker. Um, And he's a more bruising runner. And I think for that reason alone, when he should be the running back that we're relying on more in the red zone um, to punch it in, I think you're more likely to have success with him, especially at the goal line, than, than Will Shipley. Um, mm-hmm. I also think Moffa's pass catching has improved um, out of the backfield, which kind of helps elevate him a little bit more. I still think Shipley is the better um, pass receiver out of the backfield, and mm-hmm. I think Shipley, for the things he does well, is in certain cases a lot better than Phil Moffa, but I think the aggregate, everything combined, what mm-hmm. we're getting out of both this year, you just look at the stats and you you know use the eye test – I'm feeling Phil Moffa. Um, now, I think we're very lucky to have two backs as mm-hmm. good as they are in our backfield um, as a one-two punch. And I love the new two-back sets that, that, that Riley has brought. We saw, I think, a little bit of that um, last year, but that was just kind of a last uh, mm-hmm. grasp effort when the rest of the offense couldn't do anything. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Shipley has consistently gotten, you know, more carries, 18 to 10, uh, than Phil in this game. Mm-hmm. I would really love to see Moffa's hands on the ball more. Maybe, you know, or on, on passing down, sure, put Shipley back there. I mean, you get creative like that, or I don't know. I just want to see his carries go up, and especially in the red zone. Is that crazy, or did it seem like they were running Shipley in the A-gap most of the first half and then Moffa running off tackle, which uh, I'm not uh, – yeah, I'm going to just stop qualifying. People know I'm an idiot, so – um, the, um, that's why, yeah, the, they know what they're getting. They're, they're paying for it. So, um, it, it just seems like if that's the case, like that seems like the opposite use case for each of their skill sets. Right. Did you notice that? Or is that just me? 
Yeah, um, I did notice Will running a lot more up the middle in this game. Um, mm -hmm. And maybe that's out of necessity. Maybe we don't yeah. have confidence in the tight ends blocking or the wide receivers blocking, so you're not trying to stretch um, to the outside. Keep honest. Yeah, um, but I guess, again, going back to just comparing the two from what I've seen, and while you'll see Phil's um, – average yard a carry you know in this game was almost double of yeah. Will's. and i think the last couple of games has been the same way um phil moffa just seems to me the more productive running back right now yeah i mean and then you look at Cade klubnik who was the second of uh, third you know second place of uh you know number of carries with 13 and got 10 yards so 0.8 yards average so he had a long one of 17 but Yikes. Um, yeah, that was the yeah. other thing. He did seem what to run a that? lot more. Were there a lot more design quarterback runs in this game? And also, why? Because I haven't really seen him do that well. He, he needs some more meat on those bones, I think, before we can really yeah. lose. But he needs some uh, You know, maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, it's just shocking to see that 13 carries. I mean, maybe that's something that was scrambling. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely was. And then scrambling and then running back and then, you know, all this kinds of good stuff. Well, regardless, um, even on the ground in this game, um, 146 yards um, for the Clemson rushing game. We were hoping for uh, a bigger rushing attack than that. Only 3.6 yards a carry, which is, I'm sure, below our season average. Um, but still, again, looking back at the offense as a whole, it was a productive offense in this game. I think more productive than we thought they were going to be. Yes, they left um, some points on the board. Um, you know, you throw in the missed field goal, you throw in that fumble. You know, we could have scored up into the 30s, should have scored up in the 30s this game. Um, mm -hmm. And so just taking a step back, as painful as the loss was, looking at it in that context, I think there's still – a high upside for this offense this year. And if they keep developing and progressing like they have throughout the first, first four games of the year, by game 12, I think we're going to see a really solid squad. Yep. And I think we just all need to accept that's like the way this team is going to be this year. Like we just have to appreciate the growth versus for so long it was just, for so long it was like, we're going to come out and smash people. And if we don't, like what the actual hell? And then it was two years of like, well, we don't know what's going on. He's supposed to be this, you know, great guy. So maybe it's coming. And um, and then now we're just like, okay, like, again, rip all the stuff out, redo the floors, and also try to move in at the same time and not fall through the hole in the floor that you didn't patch up. So we're just – it's going to be another weird year. I mean, maybe next year we'll get some more consistency. But I'm excited to see – through all of this, I'm just excited to watch the Tigers play because we only get a couple couple games a year. So this is what we wait for. Season's well, third over. Third of the way through. Um, but again, I want to go back and emphasize the fact, I think in that third of a season so far, we've seen a lot of progress on this offense, and I expect it to continue going up. Um, uh, that increase as the year continues. The main thing being protect the ball. Protect the ball, protect the ball, protect the ball. And I think a more seasoned quarterback um, and a team that has played together, um, you know, 
eight, 12 games into the year is going to be able to limit those. Um, and just doing that in and of itself, I think you're going to see a completely different offensive football team. Yeah. <sighs> Let's do it. All right, Jared, let's flip over to the defense. Okay, Jared, we were joking on our text thread um, prior to the game. Where are we going to see, you know, four down linemen, Trotter and Carter, and then like a Woodaz, Khalil Barnes, Makuba, you know, Wiggins, put in the more athletic guys to cover these Florida State um, wide receivers. And then we, you know, thought, okay, well, maybe we go three down linemen, you know, get all those guys back there. And again, thinking a lot more of what as uh, Khalil Barnes didn't see either of them in the game. Um, mm -hmm. And I think obviously our not knowing going in really goes back to speak to the fact that we really don't know what we're talking about. Um, but mm -hmm. I think for the most part <laughs> to, to, to hear Dabo come out uh, before halftime or right at, right at halftime in his speech, talking about what the hell were we doing uh, with that three man front, to end the half, I think that was one of the most shocking things to me, realizing that happened live. Um, and like, you're the head coach, man. Why aren't the headset saying anything? Maybe the game's moving too fast out on the field for that to happen. It is something you need to get into halftime um, to adjust. But, you know, overall, despite those uh, that hiccup, I thought the defense mm -hmm. played really well in this game. I was really impressed by the secondary. The secondary. I know Jaden Lucas got beat on that play in overtime. But after watching these Florida State wide receivers throughout the year and specifically in that LSU game, I was greatly concerned about them. Um, I think you're going to have to get pressure on Jordan Travis because you could not give him a lot of time to throw. And we didn't get a ton of pressure in this game. Mm -hmm. And he had time to throw. And I still think for the most part, the secondary held up. It did. And I think only giving up um... – you know, the, the points that we did really only what 17 points in regulation. If you take away the fumble, um, then yeah, it was I'm trying to think. Yeah. With, no, with no turnovers of our own either. It's not like yeah. we turned them over. They had some stupid turnovers and that assisted the defense. So the defense had to stand up, you know, for all of these drives. Um, you know, their punter kicked six times in this game. Mm-hmm. I really didn't see, I again, like you said, I didn't see uh, Woodaz or really Barnes that much, you know, on the ESPN stat line. Like he's not on there. Neither one of them are on there for like any tackles or anything like that, which is um, what's interesting is that Florida State's defense had 85 tackles and we had 51. That's not something I'm necessarily used to seeing. But yeah, the defense, I thought they did a really good job of, um, Based on my expectations, like you said, I expected Travis. I, I figured we'd over pursue on D line and linebackers. We'd we'd give him a, a running lane, and he would torture us on his feet, or he would just scramble and make some crazy plays happen. Um, but really, you know, they only had really like the almost the exact same amount of receiving yards as we did, right? And so when you look at that, and they only had twenty two rushing yards to our one hundred and forty six. That's another thing that makes you realize like this was a tough loss. Like it stings because you um, you just see those and be like, we how did we not just like beat them by two scores? Well, first, I mean, I think kudos to the the defensive line, specifically the interior mm -hmm. defensive line, um, you know, and the two linebackers for limiting that run game and then 
also um, take that 289 um, uh, yards in the passing game with a little bit of a grain of salt because they were behind the entire game. They were mm-hmm. forced to throw more, right? They're trying to come back the entire time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, going back to it, I think the defense did a phenomenal job in this game. Um, the intensity was there. The tackling was a lot better. You saw a few guys um, over-pursue um, mm-hmm. here and there. Yes, you had um, some long catches um, by these gigantic Florida State wide receivers. <laughs> but, you know, yeah. o- overall, I think you, what you take away is the coaching um, – uh, not bringing pressure on Travis at the end of the first mm-hmm. half um, kind of comes down to that. But otherwise I didn't see a lot of big bust. Um, now you could throw the, the hold on Xavier Thomas, give a uh, good one um, and out there. But mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, again, I think overall uh, minus some coaching things that I was really encouraged by this defense. Yeah. There were a couple holds on XT, you know, um, maybe we had some holds too, but like, some of those are pretty pretty freaking egregious. Um, I did like to see Barrett Carter lined up in coverage and really keeping his, I think it was Jaheim Bell and some other people, like just keeping them completely shut down. Um, I know that they were going to um, pick on him and try to, you obviously want to put a linebacker in conflict if you can. And so the fact that he kept up with the receivers and kept up with uh, the running back and stuff was just like, that was super refreshing because that is um, – definitely always hard to see i think we would see that you know god bless him but we'd see that with bullware where they'd put him in conflict with um you know a tight end and it was just like he's he now the wheels or up. the yeah athleticism to deal with that mm-hmm. and yeah so uh i liked uh you know i think tj parker i mean what else can you say about him i mean he's he's the future um xxt um tyler davis started to see more and more of him some flashes and stuff. I just, yeah, when he's, when you're the nose tackle, like you're not going to get your name called as much probably, but him and Rook, I mean, Rook bodied some guys a couple times and, you know, again, Maskell doesn't look as like uh, totally lost as he did in the Duke game where he literally like stood there and then got his ankles completely broken, you know, a couple of times. So it's like the offense. It's we're seeing a team making progress from a terrible place to start but they're making progress. Um, Wiggins, it looks like his injury was exactly what I thought it was. He overextended his knee as he was coming down. And luckily I was wrong. He didn't hurt any of his uh, knee ligaments. So all of that is good. He just has a bone bruise. He's on the depth chart for Syracuse. So I definitely expect to see him running out there first. Um, You know, um, not really. He should definitely rest for probably like a month, but yeah, yeah that was kind of that was a quite a, race. Yeah, that was a, quite quite a scary moment. Um, when you thought, saw his face and how much agony mm-hmm. he was in coming off the field, I thought he was done for the season for sure. Me so, um, some fantastic news about that young man. And yeah, um, gosh, we should really be able to beat Syracuse without him. So, I would love to see him mm-hmm. be able to rest up. Um, but a credit to the coaching and the adjustments that was made at halftime. Um, Florida State in the second half only had one drive of over five plays. And that was one wow. eight-play drive where they turned it over on downs um, uh, towards the end of regulation. Sure. Um, so, you know, they went five plays for a field goal um, the first drive of, of the third quarter. And then after that, you know, shut down until overtime. 
Um, yeah. So we got to give credit to the coaching staff there. Um, again, whether that was Dabo's call to switch things up or that was something that came from Wes Goodman, we don't, Goodwin, we don't necessarily know. Um, mm-hmm. I've been hesitant to pile on Wes Goodwin, I think, as soon as he was announced um, as a defensive coordinator. I was kind of like everybody else. Who is this guy? And I was like, well, we've seen it before with Dabo. Maybe he can, you know, it'd be the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And there was always going to be a step down after Brent Venables. Nobody, no matter who you brought um, mm-hmm. in, in to coach this defense. But are we starting to see um, some things ruffle there um, between him and Dabo? And does he start to become on the hot seat? Now, I think the defense is playing um, – pretty damn well this year. So I really don't see that happening. Um, he did bring Mickey Kahn down um, from the booth to be on the field as mm-hmm. co coordinator, maybe to add some additional intensity there. But again, I think Wes Goodwin is still growing into this. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm hesitant to have him on the hot seat just yet. I'm interested to get your take. No, I don't think he's in the hot seat. I mean, I think Dabo, the fact that you saw him yelling at him and like called him out on the thing. I mean, I think that just shows like, that is the competitive streak that we want to see out of Dabo. We want to see him holding his play, his players and his coaches extremely accountable. I mean, Mickey Khan, you know, is going to be on the sidelines to tell stories of when he and Dabo were roommates. And that's about all I expect out of him. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I've heard from, from players who have played under Dabo and they say like 100% who you see the all shucks guy is, is, is the real deal Dabo. But on game day, you will get an earful from Dabo like you would not imagine with every word that's in the dictionary thrown at you if you mess up. And so it seems like, I mean, that's it's his livelihood and his kid's livelihood, all this kinds of stuff. So it makes sense, but it's it's very interesting because the, the Dabo, remember when Andy Teasdall got almost ripped in half at yep. the UNC game? Like people were like, oh, what's going on? It's like, yeah, and then the – the redemption fake punt almost for a touchdown. Um, and that wouldn't but, have happened, you know? Yeah. That wouldn't have happened had he not yelled at him on national TV. Yep. yep. And so or, that's or why I say TV, like, whatever we were on. Yeah. Um, so so because, what you're saying is Dabo needs to yell at people more often on the field. And I want to see more passion from Dabo. And I'm, I don't think anyone's in the hot seat. I think he's just like really, as he would say, loving, a, loving his guys up. And just giving him, you know, the attention. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's a fiery dude. Like he, we see the all shucks fiery version of him when he defends the heart that no one questioned on the team, but apparently we did. And he wants to remind us that this team has heart, but like on the sidelines, you know, the gloves are off. So I, I thought it was refreshing to see and hear that. And it seems like we made some adjustments. I mean, the based on the stats you just read out. Yeah. Like their offense didn't do squat. So I, I'm fine with it. We're just we're we're in our growth era. I would love to see Debo get passionate with Tyler Grisham every once in a while. Um, yeah, careful how you phrase that. <laughs> anyways, um, no, I, I think with West Goodwin, I'm I'm still you know from what I've seen out of this defense year I've, this year, I've seen improvement. I've seen a better defense than last year. I've seen position groups improve. Um, I was very discouraged after the Duke game and the lack of intensity, the poor tackling mm-hmm. and the lack of focus there. That had me questioning a bit, but I think as the season doesn't went along again, very happy with what we saw out of the Florida state game. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this was not a loss by the defense any which way 
you put it, I think, unless you're going to count that, um, you know, two minute drill there at the end of the, the first half. But to be honest, the, the things that the offense did later in the game put us in the position to lose. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with what we've seen out of West Goodwin so far. Um, again, I do want to continue to see that growth. And as the rest of kind of the Brent Venables um, influence is kind of gone away from this program, which, you know, after this year, it'll be two years. And that's, I think, about when you're going to see Goodwin have more of his imprint and him have to be able to take accountability for it. I want to see what, what happens then. I think people got on him too because of how bad the kind of the streeter experiment went and they were both, Mm -hmm. you know, hired at the same time, kind of in the same, you know, situation, you know, Goodwin didn't have experience before where streeter did, but streeter was Mm -hmm. at Richmond, right. As a Mm -hmm. offensive coordinator. So I think Goodwin gets a little bit of flack because of that. And because the team, um, you know, hasn't performed, you know, well, listen, we won an ACC championship last year, two years ago. wasn't great. Um, so I think he gets a little bit of, of, of flack for that. But um, I think, you know, time will still obviously tell for this guy. I do think the intensity level needs to um, increase and the command of that defensive room. But I think that's just something that he's going to have to grow into in time. True. And again, if we believe that this year we're just really focused on seeing growth and, um, you know, all this stuff, then I think we're going to see it. And I want to see Goodwin be successful. Wes Goodwin, not to be confused with Wes Goodman, brother of famous Big Lebowski actor John Goodman. So just to, you know, I know everyone's probably listening closely and confused. So I just want to be Who knows clear that? on that. The dude abides. Um. Okay, so again, another a, a really good performance from the defense. I was encouraged by the secondary um, and how they played. I'm very excited to hear that the Nate Wiggins injury is not anything worse um, than what we thought it was. Um, I think people have to remember he didn't start in the Duke game, and right, and now all of a sudden he's your lockdown corner, and we've seen that ability out of him. Again, these Florida State wide receivers um, – they were one of the things that scared me most coming into this game. Um, and I thought mm-hmm. they did a pretty good job against them. And I think the defensive stats for the most part show that. Yeah. Um, before we get off the game here, I'm just, just really don't want to talk special teams. Um, at least on the, the, the offensive portion of that, as in trying to kick field goals. Um, I'm not going to try to get in Dabo's, where Dabo was with RG three and what he's seen on the practice fields versus what we've seen in the game. But, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a pretty bad position apparently coming into this season as, as far as kickers are concerned. And at least with depth, like ideally you want two guys really bad at link for it, but to have to go get um, Jonathan whites off the couch in Charleston. Mm-hmm. I mean, good for that guy. I mean, he came in, his extra points look good. His first field goal looked good. The, the field goal he missed, hell I thought it went in. I did too. I literally, I started to yell and then no one else was yelling in the video. And I was like, what's happening? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, yeah, the entire bar for us, I know was like very excited at first and then not so excited. Um, Yeah. Something we're not used to seeing punting Aiden Swanson, four punts averaging 53 yards with a long of 62 yards. And that was I, the only reason I wanted to bring up special teams, just to, to point that out. Mind reader over here. 
Um, so yeah, phenomenal performance by Swanson. I'd love to see him um, keep that up. Um, I also think to, to, to RG three's credit, uh, keeping his head in there after mm-hmm. kind of some shaky kickoffs in the Duke game, putting him out mm-hmm. the back of the end zone with consistency, which is something that BT Potter did regularly and something that I think we took for granted. Yeah, and somebody will not take for granted is uh, our leading punt returner for the FSU game, Mr. Hamp Green, two returns for an average of 10 and a half yards and no drops. Yeah, and he was also on the field there too, I think, um, at receiver a couple times. And Oh, yeah. Listen, man, great for that kid coming on the football team earlier, you know, earning a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, had you know the best catch of the year so far <laughs> by, <laughs> by a Clemson wide receiver. Um, but he, I mean, Randall he, caught it with his thighs. He did catch. He did have a thigh guy catch. True, true. Uh, and my my vote goes to Hamp still. But all right, yeah, that's um, true. The Hamp lives. You know, a national championship contending team does not have a Hamp Green on the field in the, in a game like that. Um, just saying. And don't use the lazy thing. Oh, you never know. Hunter Renfro. No, 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 no. There's only one Hunter Renfro. There'll only ever be one Hunter Renfro. Nobody ever is going to mm-hmm. be again like Hunter Renfro. Mm-hmm. Get over it. Yep. And Ben would know because he's got his name tattooed on his arm. Among other places. <laughs> um, so that wraps it for the Florida State game. A disappointing loss, but also and I hate to say this, an encouraging one for a lot of reasons. Some people might even call it a moral loss. But I'm not going to go there, even though I just just did. Um, because, <laughs> like, I don't emotionally feel well, but mm-hmm. um, forecasting out, projecting out, looking into the future rest of the season, putting myself in that place, removing myself from the now, um, very encouraged um, by this football team, the guys that are on the team, especially a lot of the young talent. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm looking um, you know, forward to seeing them get better and better as the year goes along. Yep. Yes. That's so what we can say. We got Syracuse coming up uh, this Saturday, another mm-hmm. noon game. Um, 9 a.m. for us. Syracuse 4-0, hasn't played a conference game yet. I think their combined record of their opponents is like four and 12. And I know Syracuse gives us fits up there. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this game is going to tell us a lot about the mentality of this team. If they come back, bounce back and just kind of blow the lid off the carrier dome or whatever Mm -hmm. air conditioning company owns that building now, (laughs) um, you know, that's going to say a lot about this team. And I think that's going to continue pumping up my excitement and my confidence Mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the year is going to, turn out now what I will be discouraged to see is we come out flat um, because that means a maybe that Florida state performance was overachieving. Um, and then also um, again, that maybe speak more to leadership within the team. If you see a young team come back and play down um, mm-hmm. to their opponent and play with yet less intensity, just because you're doing it after a, a big loss and it's not on the same stage. Yes. Um, I just checked. And so the um, Syracuse Orange has played four games. And of those four teams, just like you said, I just double check. There's four wins between 
those teams. Colgate, zero wins. WMU, one. Purdue, one. Army, two. So, like, who knows? Um, the stats are funny when you compare them. It's like Klubnik and Schrader, 976 yards versus 972, right? Well, I think Schrader uh, has more rushing yards than Shipley this year. Yeah, he does have about uh, 20 yards more than than Shipley, which is funny, and five more touchdowns, which Starting I mean, I'm sure they're using him for, like, red zone and um, it's probably your only draws offense. and all those kinds of stuff. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll find out for sure. Um, Bo and their receiver, Alford, um, both, two, you know, 226 versus 246. So, like, it seems like there's kind of some similar stats. They've got, you know, looks – but it's like they've got more total yards and um, yards a lot. It's like, but they played nobody. So even though ESPN is saying fifty-one percent chance that Syracuse wins, your your prediction a second ago could be right. We could go there and just blow the freaking carrier dome into pieces, which I hope that we absolutely do. Oh. Even though I love Dino Babers, uh, ESPN is saying fifty-five point one percent. Yeah. Ooh, um, I think their calculator is broken. Yeah, maybe you need to shake it like uh, an Etch-a-Sketch. JMA Wireless Dome. <laughs> JMA yeah. Wireless. I don't know. It gets hot up there. Um, never heard the of it. The line's minus seven Clemson. I think this so. is a good one to bet on Clemson. And mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know it's Syracuse. It's noon there. It's after a, a, a really devastating loss. I'm still going to bet on Clemson in this game. Young kids mm-hmm. bounce back, come back hungry, be pissed off after mm-hmm. that loss instead of being down. Um, and I'm putting all my cards on the table for this one. I think if Clemson wins by less than seven or loses the mm-hmm. game, then we've got mm-hmm. a real problem on this team. And I think maybe the coaching issues are even deeper than, than we thought, or maybe some leadership issues. Um, I don't think it would be because Syracuse is actually almost as good as Clemson. Because mm. they're not. Let's face it, they're not. <clears throat> yeah, there's no – but, I mean, yeah. So let's just, uh, let's just hope for continual growth and improvement. Uh, what do you say, Ben, over, under for – Two running touchdowns. For Clemson? Yeah, Clemson having two rushing touchdowns over under. So you have to give me like one and a half or two and a half. Okay, guy who actually does betting. So let's go two and a half. Oh, over two and a half. Over two and a half. All right. You heard it here first, folks. That's uh, that's Ben's Lock'em, Pick'em's, whatever they say. I think we should Locks. put up 40 plus against the Syracuse team. Yeah, I would love to do that. We should beat them 40 to 13. We should. If, if that team that I saw play Florida State on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, well, we have to we have to qualify this, right? This statement by saying if that team that I saw Saturday we'll have to qualify anything. <laughs> plays plays like that, but with without the mistakes, then we kick their ass. If, yeah. if we see this same talented team play well like that but continue to make mistakes, yeah, it's going to be tough. So are we ready to say that the mistakes are out of our system? Absolutely not because, nope. yeah. 
Fifth, fifth game of the year, team's still young, and they've done nothing to prove us otherwise. And again, this trend goes back to last year too. And to twenty one too, you know. And I mean, even even in twenty, we had ETN like uh, get a toss sweep, and like basically didn't that happen in Notre Dame? We got the toss sweep, caught it, got hit, and it like went right into the hands of another guy. You know, it's like he didn't even finish catching it, and then he had another one where he was like right at the goal line, and then fumbled, and the guy returned it for a touchdown. It was a you know pointless game. Yeah. You know, but yeah, so we've been having weird, spooky, whatever you want to call them, luck and all that kind of stuff. But yes, I would love to see something like 40 to 13. And yeah, I believe we can do it. Do we think, thir- yeah, 13. Yeah, I believe in this defense too. So anyways, yep. it could also be a 17 to 13 Clemson loss. You never know. <laughs> oh my God. I just threw it in know. my mouth. In overtime, that, that could be the overtime score. Who knows? Wow! I, so our bar now is is offering five dollars shots of tequila after Clemson scores yeah. a touchdown, um, which yeah. is really tough at nine in the morning. And I was up for that challenge against Florida State because it was a big game. Um, putting up forty plus against Syracuse. Yeah, I'll see you on Monday. Have fun! Have fun with that. Let's hashtag shred Schrader. How's that? It's all you, my man. You're the, you're the social media guy. <laughs> yeah, I can't yep. even find Twitter on my phone anymore. Yeah, uh, it's probably um, near the end of your app list, next to like Waze. No, it just went from like a T to an X or bird to an X. Anyways, hashtag um, bring back the bird. Not Elon's finest. Smartest decision, I think. Oh boy, let's start another hour podcast. As on that. vanity <laughs> project, so whatever. Um, anyways, went over about as well as his uh, his his uh, shatterless glass truck. Anyways, anyways, yeah, I digress. Those, Sorry, those kid's name. Sorry, Let me get off Elon before he kicks me off X. Um, <laughs> any football coming up this weekend, Jarrett? That you're looking forward to? I mean, we had a great run of games last weekend. This week, mm-hmm. this weekend, not quite the same. Um, that Ohio State Notre Dame game last week. Um, I was pulling for Notre Dame. I thought they would win that game. I think some coaching decisions there kind of shot them in the foot mm-hmm. towards the end of the game. And then Ryan Day, that lovely man that he is, going off the mm-hmm. loopholes. That was a bit entertaining. Um, <laughs> yeah, Colorado, Oregon. Uh, that was a blowout. I think we all kind of felt like I'm I'm pulling for Deion Sanders. I actually like I actually like mm-hmm. him. Um, um, you know, everything else aside, I was you know I am a Braves fan, so I loved him from back in those days. But mm-hmm. I also thought going into this game, this is the game where you know, it kind of be brought down to earth. And I think that yeah, happened. beyond beyond earth, below the earth. I would say one, I want to demonstrate my ignorance. And I watched a YouTube video titled How Good Was Deion Sanders? And I didn't realize he played baseball. Like I didn't know anything about him other than like, I think he played at Florida State. So like, I feel like a complete idiot because he was insane. Like he hit a home run and then t- caught a touchdown, you know, and then had a, all this stuff. Yeah, I just want to admit that. I want to come clean that I uh, had no idea really who he was other than just a football coach and a former player. I do really love slash hate the content that Oregon put out where all of the um, Colorado kids were like threatening to beat up the players and the coaches and like just talking absolute mad trash before the game and how Oregon's coach was just like, hey, we're not going to do that, you know. 
we're not going to, it's beneath us. We're just going to hear like, we're here to win the game. They're here to like drive clicks and cause a stir. Like, and they absolutely just pummeled them into submission. And I think that's what people think, or that may, that's what Dabo thinks will happen to the program. If he takes three transfers, like he'll take three transfers and then everyone's going to be talking smack and like cussing and like, you know, the, the team will just fall apart. Um, We're just looking for a kicker. Yeah. You know, who hasn't retired and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a wide receiver here and there that can block, you know? And uh, DB with two good knees. Yeah. We're good at DB. Yeah, we are. That's, that's too soon. Um, so anyway, the hype's there. The hype's gone. I know mm. people got tired of of hearing about Colorado. Not a lot of other good of, games, yeah. A lot, of, a lot of people got tired of hearing about Clemson too. So um, it's true. Just, just saying, I didn't, but you know, just saying. No, um, I did watch uh, Arizona State score a bunch on USC. It's like USC was kind of scoring at will, but then so was Arizona State. So like, no defense again for um, Lincoln Riley. Did you watch the Oregon State Washington State game? You watched DJ. The the battle of the conferences. No, the pack two. I did not see much of the game, but I did read some of the stats, and his stats looked pretty eerily familiar. And some of the uh, tweets where people would be talking about him that were Oregon State fans, it was like I had deja vu, where they just seemed really confused at how he looked different than he did when he first started the season, and all this other stuff. And you know. Not going to dunk on the guy or whatever, but it's just, it really felt like deja vu, like reading them saying things that we said for two years midway through the season. And that's kind of how I felt when I watched his kind of first few games this year, mm-hmm. I guess against lesser competition. But I was like, okay, I'm not going to be overly impressed by much. Right. Mm-hmm. And more so than anything, I'm going to scrutinize what I see and what I know that I've seen before and then hasn't improved. So that's kind of where I was. Um, I watched this game. I told you about the tequila shots after the touchdowns earlier. Mm-hmm. I don't remember a lot from this game. <laughs> um, maybe yeah. I just wasn't paying attention that closely, but um, yeah, I think, I think we expected DJ to kind of hit some road bumps once he played some better competition here. And um, he's got Utah this week. He's got more better competition coming up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got Utah, um, Washington, Oregon later in the year. And um at Colorado. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, they're, what? At Ber- they're at Berkeley. Interesting. On the 7th. No, it's the same day as the Wake Forest game. Mm, yep. yep. And Fleet Week. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jiu-Jitsu belt promotions of that day. And maybe I'll uh, get my blue belt. <laughs> you it's know. A weird, weird flex. <laughs> Yeah, trust me, it's not a weird flex when you get beat up by people uh, smaller than you that have just been doing this longer. Um, well, you should post some video to the podcast um, YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. I'll uh, have to create. Can we channel. come and watch that and, like, cheer you on? Yeah, I mean, it's class. It's not so much like, I mean, I will compete again. And I'll, it's I'll, so uh, adorable, though, if your friends show up to class and, like, cheer you on. They're like, yeah, get him. Poke his eye out. You know, something just, you know, five drunk people from watching football a day just roll up in there. <laughs> yeah. It'd be I'm a sure great my, moment. Uh, It'd be memorable. It'd be memorable. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. for 
for the sober people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. Um, all right. Back how about track. this weekend? Anything get your eye on? Um, not really a lot going on this weekend. Really not. I mean, you the Utah Oregon State game. I mean, USC yeah, at Colorado. Like, I expect Duke, USC to blow them out. Notre Dame. Duke Notre Dame. That should be good. That'll be a good one. Um, Tennessee Tennessee South Carolina. The battle of who can be the most terrible fan base. So the Tennessee South Carolina one is an interesting one. Um, just because I'm not sure what to make of Tennessee, but that's in Knoxville. South Carolina mm-hmm. is two and two. Um, yeah, I think Tennessee wins that one by a couple touchdowns. Yep, the line's minus 12 and a half, so Vegas never lies. There you go. There that's you kinda, go. That's kind of it as far as games. Um, hey, yeah, can we he, shout out Brent Venables has the number 14 team in the country right hey. now? BV gets whatever he wants from this guy. I mean, he's you know played what? Arkansas State, SMU, Tulsa, and Cincinnati. Um, mm-hmm. It was at Cincinnati. Yeah. Oh, Cincinnati's in the Big 12 now. Yeah, they've got... Uh, it was the, BYU and I had no... I don't even know. I stopped paying attention to all this. Yeah, people may have stopped paying attention to this episode. <laughs> like, where are they going with any of this review? So shout out if you're still listening. We love you, Dad. That's what fans do. Just talk mm-hmm. to each other. Yep. Um, okay, well, well, I don't know. I think Jared's trying to tell me something. So, hey, bud, why don't we wrap the show there? It was fun doing this with mm-hmm. you. Is this the first show that you and I have been on solo? Yeah, it might be. I know that um, Cody and I did a solo one last November, I think. And... Um, yeah, I think I think it is. So, it's an honor. We you were uh, one of my first, probably my first real friend in San Francisco, and it was only because I was a fan of the podcast for years, and then basically assumed you'd be in the Clemson alumni group, and then kind of stalked you all, and then you know met you outside of uh, of Columbus Cafe when the draft was going on, and we watched T Logo number one, and then the rest is history. I almost died from a COVID vaccine that night. Not, <laughs> not literally, but you know. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Next thing not. you know, here you are, president of the Northern California Clemson Club. So, um, yeah, part. good friends will take you far, Jared. And the podcast will make friends for life. Um, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. We will be back with you after the Syracuse game. Um, please head over um, to iTunes. Give us a five-star review. Or engage with us on X at Clemson Podcast, Facebook at Clemson Podcast. Jarrett, no Instagram account yet. Right? Right. None okay. that I want to link. We'll get the intern on that. Maybe that'll yeah. be a good job for Cody. He's worth every mm-hmm. dollar we pay him on this show. Yep. Um, but yeah, um, long season left to go. Um, Two thirds of it left. I mm-hmm. think still a lot of upside here. Um, and hey, hopefully we're talking about a win uh, again next week. Yeah, and if you see Tully, tell him we miss him and to come home. All right, with that, go Tigers.